Next up on back points is Roman Perryman, a four-time All-State wrestler from Robinson High School in Fairfax, Virginia, who won the state tournament in 2007, his freshman year. Roman has a fascinating wrestling journey that took him from state champion in high school to D1 in college to a NASCAR pit crew and also led him to discover the power of meditation, all of which he shares today. As always, I'll be eternally grateful to anyone who leaves a five-star rating and review on iTunes or anywhere else you encounter this podcast. Also, Backpoints is sponsoring a wrestling trivia night on October 27th at 8 p.m. This is a great opportunity for you to reconnect with old teammates or current teammates at the start of the wrestling season and to support youth wrestling in Fairfax, Virginia. The charity is called Up to Us, and they are funding youth coaching positions in Fairfax County. So if you care about this cause, I hope you'll click the link below and sign yourself up for trivia night. Now let's get rolling with Roman Perryman. He taught me to get up when I didn't want to get up, when I wanted to quit. I had high goals, man. I've always had high goals. And so when I won it, I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, you guys are right. It's not the thrill of winning. It's the joy of having that personal goal and being able to achieve that and walk off the mat with your head held high and with your hand up. That just fueled my fire. And I was in every state championship match from there on until I graduated. That was when I really started doing the kind of wrestling that I was capable of. Anybody that steps in the ring and just decides to commit the entire time is a state champion in my in my book. Welcome back to Back Points, the podcast where wrestlers and coaches reveal their secrets about how they won state championships in high school wrestling. I'm here today with Roman Perryman, a four-time All-State wrestler in Virginia and the 2007 AAA state champion from Robinson High School. Did I get those dates right, Roman? Yeah. 2007 yeah. champion, and you were four-time All-State. Yeah, won it freshman year and then didn't win it again. You've got a really interesting story. So it's a little unusual to win it your freshman year period. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you got into wrestling and how did you arrive at high school so prepared to win the big tournament at the end of the year? Yeah. Well, first off, I want to say thank you, Will, for having me on. I do appreciate you thinking of me when you, uh, when you were looking for people to interview. And so I appreciate that. Um, but I started wrestling at, age six. And so I was very young and, uh, and success kind of caught me naturally. My first year I was 21 and two, just rolling, you know, little kids were just rolling around and then somehow I just put people on their backs and that's what happened. But, um, from there it was like, we just like, luckily I had a great coach, youth club coach and Sam Smith, who was really, um, really wanted to succeed and was like, planning on it. And so he had uh, two sons, Jake and Dallas Smith, who were my workout partners, essentially all the way through high school. And uh, he basically took the reins at a young age and just really was started coaching us, he started taking us to Pennsylvania, taking us to Ohio, taking us to all these other tournaments outside, mostly up north. We didn't really go down south very much. And uh, we were seeing competition from everywhere. And so most of the time it was like, I was getting my butt kicked. Honestly, I'd go up there and just get my butt kicked. Jake and Dallas would win these tournaments and stuff. But me, it was like, I was just, I was just there trying to get mat time and trying to just do my best. And, um, shoot. I mean, I, things really started clicking once, uh, once I gave up football. And so I, I played football from first grade all the way through seventh. And then, uh, by seventh grade, all the guys I was losing to in Virginia were only wrestling all year round. And so at, at a, at a 90 pounds in, in eighth grade, my dad was just, he approached me and was just like, these guys are wrestling all year round and they're beating you. Football probably isn't going to be your future at 85 pounds. Like, what are you thinking? If you really want to give this a shot, go ahead and start wrestling all year round. And so with that, with that, I gave him the nod and then I really just committed from then on and things started clicking in eighth grade. Uh, in the in Northern Virginia, we have the uh, Capital Area Wrestling League, the call. I, I hope they still have it because that was phenomenal. Um, but we had those. And so eighth grade, I won that. And I won the Virginia Maryland State Championships, mm -hmm. beating like rivals that I've had all through youth club. And then uh, 
it kind of just really prepped me up for high school. And then, um, and then in high school, I kind of just took it from there. But I mean, I, I can go into my high school year if you want, or I'd love to hear about it. Okay. Um, so yeah, freshman year, um, I came in, I, I was wrestling a former, uh, he was a former state champion. Actually, he had one the year before George Billy at Robinson and he actually tore my shoulder, uh, right before like summer of, uh, summer of eighth grade and ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I went to a doctor. He told me to get surgery. I went to another doctor. He said, just do PT. I did PT. And then, um, it really, I really just started dialing it in. And like, I was, I bought into the system that my coach really, uh, really put forth with me. And so I was, when I say I was the most dedicated 14 year old, I knew that I was going to win the state title, like way before I even stepped on the mat. Like every password of mine was state champion one. <laughs> and then every, and then like, I mean, I was working, I was waking up every morning at four thirty AM. I was, uh, I was running, uh, I didn't even, I don't even know mileage. I was just on the treadmill for 45 minutes every morning with sweats on. And then I would, uh, my diet was pinpoint. And then my, uh, and then I'd go to high school practices. And then I'd also go to club practices after as well as just work out on my own afterwards. And so I was easily working out two to three times a day. Um, and, um, and then man, things just started clicking. It was, I, I mean, I know that I wasn't, I wasn't number one going in the States, mm-hmm. uh, as a freshman. I mean, there was a lot of people that were ranked ahead of me and I, and and then, so I was just taking it one tournament by one, by day by day, winning the district, um, winning the region. And then once states came, it was like, it was, I mean, it was in my own high school too. And so that was like, all right, well, I, I don't want to lose here. And so I shoot that couple close, like uh, I had like the number one seed the first round, I beat him. And then I had, uh, who did I have after that? Shoot, I. I can't even remember all the guys that I beat. I need to have my, I still have my state championship bracket, but uh, I know that semis was one of my old teammates, Bo Martino, and I beat him for two. And then I had, uh, and then I had um, Randy Chapman in the finals who put it on me the first period. I mean, he was, he was up six, six, two after three takedowns and two cuts. And then I got a last second takedown in, uh, in the first period uh, reversed him in the second and then he chose neutral and I took him down in the third to win seven, uh, seven, six. And so it was in my home gym. Oh my gosh, I got the goosebumps thinking about it. It was like the most magical thing ever. Like I remember my dad being there and he's like, Oh, get over here and give him the hug. And then the gym erupted. And as a freshman at 14, I really didn't know the impact. I mean, I still have people reaching out to me saying like, dude, like you changed high school wrestling your freshman year. And it was it was just a wild experience, and so I was uh, I'm very grateful for that, and it was it definitely probably was my favorite wrestling experience to this day, but it came with such so much hard work and dedication, yeah. and uh, it was just I don't know if it was the stars aligning, but I knew that I was going to win that state title way before I stepped on that mat. That's a fascinating story, and so how old was George Billy when he was your wrestling partner? Had he graduated? No, he was a he was a sophomore. Oh, okay. So you wrestled with George Billy, who was also a phenomenal wrestler. Um, and, and that helped refine you and helped really build up your skills. Yeah. And, but well, he wasn't my workout partner in the year. And so he, he was just like, so in eighth grade, it was like, we were at Hayfield wrestling freestyle and Greco. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Roman's coming in hot after winning these tournaments. George Billy's coming off of already winning a state title and dominating and so he was he had won it the year before in 06 for robinson and so we were just wrestling and then we were wrestling live and uh i mean i don't i, I probably i'm probably writing the story in my head but i felt like kids were watching it was like roman versus george practice session one minute go and then i ended up tearing my shoulder and so um so he, how oh, go ahead so how serious was the shoulder injury um it was a torn uh glenohumeral ligament and so it wasn't a labrum, but it's one of the smaller, smaller ligaments in there still torn. But, um, I, I did six months of rehab on it and it shoot, it still holds up with me now, okay. but, uh, 
still achy though. So it didn't hold you back as you in your wrestling career in general. I learned how to wrestle with it. And so it was like, what had happened was I was on a gut wrench and I was posting and then I rolled over my shoulder. Mm. My elbow got caught in a, in a crease between the mats. And so then I rolled over it, but uh, it really like, I'm actually grateful for it because like I couldn't get extended in shots because mm -hmm. if someone sprawled on my shoulder, it would just pop out or it would just crazy pain. And so then it was like, okay, well let's just not take dumb shots and not yeah. get extended on your shots. And so it helped me kind of figure out how to wrestle with it. And then like, I mean, obviously not get any power halves or anything cranked on it. And so it's, it was just, it really just helped me refine my takedowns, my uh, finishing once I get in and then getting out on bottom. So I don't have to worry about my shoulder getting, getting torn off or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Um, and it's interesting the way you talk about knowing that you were going to win your freshman year. How did you feel your sophomore year, your junior year, your senior year? Did you have the same kind of feeling going in or was it, was it really different? I'll tell you this. And I, and this was something that I, that still kind of weighs heavy on me. I, I didn't, um, I didn't readjust my goal. I, my, all my passwords were still state champion one. And so it's like, I, I, I never, I never took it to the next level and said, two time state champ. I never took it to the next level and said, beast of the East champion. I didn't, I never took it to that level. And so my results didn't carry over. And so I, I mean, no one can take away that one state title from me, but I didn't set my goal to make another one. And so that was one thing that kind of, I would say kind of took me, took me kind of out of the moment mm -hmm. um, a little bit. And then also, like once once I won the state title, it was like everything else was kind of like easy. I mean, I was a freshman in high school. Like I was getting invited to senior parties. I was like, I had to like, even, like I had just transferred to Robinson, and I didn't know anyone. And so it wasn't like I was going out. Like it wasn't like I was trying to impress people while I was there. And and so the first eight months of the year, the school year, I didn't know anybody until I won state. And then I was big shot. And then it was like, uh, like classes. I felt like I had, I had just any, I felt like I, like any due date on any assignment was pushed for me. <laughs> I felt like uh, just things like that started getting easier for me. And so then I kind of, it, it really just took my focus off of wrestling mm -hmm. and, and I was just thinking about other stuff. And so I just wasn't as dialed in as that freshman year was. Um, yeah. And so that's very, that's very understandable. So how did that translate into your, your workouts? Did you work out less? No, I was still working out hard, but I just don't think I was as intentional. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and to give me the benefit of the doubt, I mean, I wrestled Mike Groffalo in States my sophomore year and he was beast of the East champion. He was a two or three timer stud. Um, and so for sophomore year, wasn't really my league. And I did bump weight classes every year as well. Mm -hmm. And so at 19, sophomore year, didn't happen. I got third. Uh, my junior year, I lost to Jared Anongus in overtime. And so that was a um, heartbreaker, man. Uh, that one that one still kind of eats at me too. But uh, it was, I just, yeah, for some reason, it just it didn't happen. And then my senior year, there was a huge snowstorm. And essentially the postseason – Instead of having districts one week regions in the states, it was districts got canceled. Uh, they had a postponed regional tournament that was on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I had Thursday off to cut weight, and then we had states Friday, Saturday. So I had a five day postseason, and by day five, I was just I wasn't worth a damn. After like, because I was cutting so much weight that season, and then essentially for those three weeks, once district started, my coach was like, you got to stay within weight because you never know when you're going to get the call. So I was down within two to three pounds for two and a half weeks before that final five day stretch. And it just kind of, kind of wasn't my time, but those were actually my, I think the only two matches I lost in the Robinson gym were my senior year at States. Wow. You know, I was graduated by that point, you know, I was graduated some for years by then, but I actually remember that snowstorm because that your senior year would have been 2011, which I think 
I think it would have been 2011. And that was a snowpocalypse year where everything just kind of got decimated. Is that, is that right? It was 2011, 2010, 2010. Okay. Maybe I'm yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, and so it would have been, yeah. Cause I graduated 2010. And so it was winter of nine through 10. So it was like right early February. Yeah. Yeah. There were some bad snowstorms about that time. Yeah. And so it, it really, I mean, we were sitting at one of my coaches house, like wrestling three times a day just hanging out with all the rest of the kids. And so it was a, it was a crazy time. It was fun, but it was a, it was definitely a lot of adversity in that, in that little short yeah. period of time that then led to a really intense five day postseason. Did you do a lot of cutting weight in high school in general? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say I did. I mean, freshman year, between eighth and ninth grade, I was like lifting weights as much as I could. And so I got up to like 115. But then like once see I felt like I hit a growth spurt mid season and it got really tough to cut weight. Like I mean, I weighed in at one oh six Saturday morning of states my freshman year, and then Sunday night I was one twenty eight. And it was just I had just I was just huge. And so then it was and then jumping weight classes, I started managing my weight less, but I was still a growing kid and so I mean, from 103 to 119 to 135, and then um, I stayed at 135 my senior year, wrestling 40 most of the year, and then cut back down. And so uh, I was trying to do it the best I could, though. I mean, I had a, um, I had a couple coaches that were sending me diets and sending me little meal plans, and um, and then I was kind of just sharp with it. It was like, I mean, it was a. I always I always say it was a lonely time. Wrestling was because like my family would cook dinner and then I would wait for them to be done with cooking dinner. They're eating and then I'm cooking dinner and then they're done and then I'm eating. And so it was a lot of dinners by myself, a lot of dinners in front of the TV, things like that. But I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. And a lot of the stuff I learned and I developed habits during those early years that like now I don't have to worry about it. Like now my, I don't drink soda. I don't mm. eat sweets. I barely have a sweet tooth, which is kind of coming in though. It is coming in, um, but it just kind of really developed some really strong nutritional habits that I don't have to worry about like nowadays, which, I, which I'm completely grateful for, even though I had to suffer a lot of those early years. Like, I mean, it was easy, eating lunch out of, I used to have tilapia. My dad stopped giving me Tupperware because they would stay in my locker and turn into science experiments. <laughs> and so I'd, I'd have Ziploc bags with tilapia and pasta in it, and it would sit lukewarm in my locker. And then I just eat that at lunch. And so oh, that's great. Yeah. I was a very, uh, I was a, I was a kind of an interesting cat coming up, but, uh, I mean, it all paid off. I, I can relate to that. I used to have dreams that I was eating something and then I would wake up in the kitchen about to take a bite of a grape or something like that. And then I'd, I'd drop it and I wouldn't, and I'd go back to bed, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it was, those were some painful times. Yeah, I shoot. I mean, even like, well, my freshman year, I I said I was like the most strict, but my diet was one thing that I was having trouble with. I had a, I wouldn't say I had any disorders or anything, but I definitely had some disorderly actions. Like, I mean, it would be like at night, and I'd crawl downstairs and grab some pop tarts and I'd eat it in my bed, things like that. But um, the thing was, was just my workouts. My work ethic was so on point that like it didn't matter what what I ate realistically. I mean, I was just, I was the hardest working 14 year old. I was the hardest working. I was the hardest working wrestler in that 103 weight class that year. And so I, I mean, once you, when you put in that kind of training, your confidence just skyrockets because you know, you're prepared. Like you yeah. just know you're ready. You know, you put in the work and now it's just time to go play. So I like how you're saying now you, it's time to go play. Cause you've also talked a lot about flow states you know, yeah. cause you've got a podcast, which I want to link to in the show notes and, and, you know, make sure everybody knows to go check out roaming around. Um, but you talk about getting into a flow state with wrestling. What do you mean by that? So the flow state is kind of where, um, and I'm a sports psychology major. And so that's where, um, that's where I get a lot of this, but, uh, even before I was studying sports psychology in college, I had seen the flow state in high school. And it's essentially where your 
uh, your arousal, your excitement for wrestling and your competition meet. And so once, if they're in that perfect level, then you just have this, this feeling of, I'm not thinking about my movements. I'm not thinking about my wrestling. I'm not thinking about anything at the moment. I am so present in this match. And then you're not, and then it's just like, you're just going and things are just coming to you. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. Um, and I, I mean, I first saw it when like, I started like flow wrestling flow, like literally flowing. Like we had, I had a buddy who, uh, he was a junior, maybe. I believe he was a junior when I was a freshman. Um, and his name was, uh, Floosh. And he was, uh, he was like a 45 pounder, but he was like my workout partner. Mm-hmm. because he he had a feel he could have a feel for me and we had we did this thing called sushi where it was called it was just some submission wrestling but it's just like it's like flow wrestling where you're just grabbing stuff you're rolling with it uh it's not very intense but you're breaking a sweat mm-hmm. and so we used to do that a lot and then like that is kind of just where it originally started was when i could just like because we me and him he would cut weight too and so me and him would be working out and like instead of like having a routine where we're drilling like two and two or we would just put on our sweats and flow for 45 minutes start the clock for 45 minutes and then just go and during those 45 minutes i wasn't thinking about cutting weight i wasn't thinking about like how like who i had to wrestle this weekend the match coming up i was just fully there present just trying to figure out new moves trying to see how i can get out of this trying to see if he grabs this where can i go from there and so that was like where it really originally started Mm-hmm. And then you kind of just see it um, in a lot of other states. I mean, you can see it. It's, it's like a runner's high. You can see it in your meditations. You can find it in a sensory deprivation chamber if people do that. But it's essentially just that state where you're not thinking about anything, but you're fully present in where you are right now. Yeah, you've said a lot of things that I want to dig into. Yeah. So when did you get into meditation and what role has that played, if any, in your wrestling, either in high school or beyond? Well, I, I wish I had meditated in high school because, uh, especially and in college too, because um, especially in college, I feel like college I didn't really hit my uh, my potential. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of similar things from high school. Things got easy. It was just like partying, things like that. But um, uh, but I, I was at, I was at all the practices and doing that. I just wasn't making the right decisions off the mat. But um, meditation, like being able to just take out, take the thoughts out, take your, because we talk so much in our heads. We talk way faster in our heads than we do with our mouths. And some of the stuff, I mean, we're, we're not the kindest person to ourselves. And so like, I mean, I'd have negative thoughts about losing. I'd have negative things about like uh, my preparation wasn't right. Like just all these thoughts. But if you can quiet and silence those in your head, you just, you go into whatever your next step is. You go into just way more clear, and so I wish I had this uh, this kind of meditation practice when I was in high school and college. But um, but I started it once I um, kind of like one probably like a year and a half ago. I started seeing my meditation, and then I started like noticing that state that I was in was very similar to the flow state that I had in wrestling, which was very similar to the state that I had on with a runner's high, which was very similar to the state I had in the deprivation tank. And so then it was like. Like nowadays, it's like since I've been practicing meditation for over a year now, it's like I want to find that state wherever I'm at, like mm-hmm. whether I just need to take a few moments just to change my state. And like if I have a whether I'm taking a call for work and it's a negative call and someone's someone's chewing me out and then I can hang up the phone and say, OK, let me just take five minutes or two minutes, whatever it may be to just take some deep breaths change my state. So I'm not taking that negative call into my next call and just, and so I'm not bringing that past experience into my future. And so then it's just so that I can be fully present. And so, um, I think this is great just for, I mean, wrestlers who lose a match, mm-hmm. especially semis a lot of, cause there's that blood round is there's a lot of semis losers that come back and they can't reframe their mind to come back into that. Uh, and that, that other guy's coming off a win too. And so it's hard. That blood round is a special one. And so like think times like that, it's nice to just be able to slow down, reframe your brain and then move on to the best, the next best step instead of uh, bringing something that happened yesterday, two days ago, an hour ago into the next moment. 
And I think you're doing some coaching now down in North Carolina. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I coach at a wrestling club called C2X. Do you teach them about meditation or about any of those types of things? We've done a little bit um, with them. Like I've done some uh, kind of like vision and goals types type stuff with them, uh, especially like, well, I've been with them for, I was, I was with them for a postseason two years ago, but I didn't really have, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had earned their respect. And so I was very quiet kind of during that postseason. And then last season I was with them there. And so I did do a little bit of a uh, imagery, things like that, just after practice one day, especially if they have a match coming up. I mean, I'd, I'd, uh, a lot of times they're in sweats. And so if you break that sweat, I'm saying like, go lay on the mat. Let's keep that sweat going. It's hot in here. And then let's just start breathing and start meditating. And so I've, uh, I've, I've uh, introduced it, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know if I would have bought into it at uh, 14 through 18 either, but I have, I have some kids that are very committed and that are open to learning. And those are the ones that usually get the most out of it. Yeah. So I, I coach as well and I do a few minutes of meditation at the end of the virtual practices that we do, um, breathing meditations mostly. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, you know, I, I've done some other types of meditations around mantra meditation. And then, and then I've also seen that you've done, I think what you call movement meditation, which, mm -hmm. which I've, I've also done, uh, a, I, I think I've done that anyway. I've done yoga essentially, yeah. which, which I, I think is a lot of what folks talk about when they talk about movement meditation. But I, I think it's very important for wrestlers, but it is difficult to package it up in a way that they're receptive to. I, I remember when I went to the Jay Robinson camp, they would bring out this guy uh, who would, who would force you <laughs> to, uh, to meditate at the, uh, at, you know, you'd be, you'd have finished your fourth grueling session of the day and he'd come out and he would just have this, this monotonous cadence, which I actually did buy into it. it and it did help me out a lot, but I know that many people did not necessarily go along with it. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, it's difficult to get high school kids to, to take meditation seriously. Yeah. And, um, and, and the movement meditation I really got from was because like after doing the sensory deprivation tank and seeing that I had already been to this place before, I don't know if you've tried that highly recommended. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Game changer. But one, like once I, cause you lay in this tank and it's like you, all your senses are gone, but then like you can't hear anything, smell anything, see anything. You open your eyes, it's still pitch black. And so then it's like, you just let go of everything. But then I noticed that I've been to that place before. It wasn't the first time I'd been there. And so I was like, okay, well, where has it been? And then next thing you know, it was like wrestling. And so I started thinking about it and I was like, flow state, meditation, movement meditation, same thing as a runner's high. You're not still when you're in the runner's high. That's where the movement comes in. Uh, same thing with yoga. I mean, like, especially when I started doing yoga, I, my practice didn't really start until I knew what movements I was doing without the instructor or without seeing other people doing it. I was always like looking to other people to say, what's he doing over there? So I can match him. But once I knew the movements, I could close my eyes and essentially do the practice following the instructor uh, just with my eyes closed. And so that really kind of jump started the movement meditation, but it can be anything, man. I mean, I feel like people uh, find meditation in creating art, you know, creating and like i mean just creating it's it's different for everyone people can find it reading um and so i mean i know my I have a meditative practice some people call it prayer as well and so there's a lot of ways that you can do it but essentially it, it doesn't matter how you do it you just got to find out what works for you and then run with it so is meditation a pretty big part of your life now every day every morning i usually i start off like it started off with just setting my alarm 30 minutes earlier and then I, I literally roll, roll over. I have a YouTube video already open for the night before. And so then I just click play on it, put an eye pillow on, and then I just kind of go back under for another 30 minutes and then I'm back up and my day's kind of started. I might have to steal that routine. That's pretty good. Shoot. I got, I mean, I have like a nice hour routine routine where I like to, uh, 
I, I do I do a little movement in the morning as well as the meditation. And so I like just getting the getting the gears going physically and mentally, um, especially because, I mean, I was coming from just rolling over and looking at my phone first, checking all my stuff, checking my emails, bringing everything, all the problems from yesterday into today. And then it was like, fuck, I, I'm, I'm behind right now. Excuse my language. But it was like I felt like when I was doing that, that I was behind every day that I woke up. I could never get ahead because it was like I just was taking yesterday and putting it and stacking it on my tomorrow. And so then, so once I did that, it was like, it was night and day change. And I I did that probably, probably a year and five months ago, started doing that. So that's really cool. So basically if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, you tried the sensory deprivation therapy, which involves, as I understand it, a tank of water that is salt water so that you float in it no, you can't see anything. You can't hear anything. You're just floating there. And that made you realize the power of a meditative state. And then you went back and have gone deeper in all these other types of meditation after, after that kind of showed you the way. Yeah. Um, and so I, I stumbled upon these guys who didn't know what they had essentially. It was a, they had a, the temper, sensory deprivation tanks and they were charging $60 a session or a hundred dollars unlimited for the month. <laughs> and so I went in for the first try and then, wow. and I was like, can I pay for it afterwards just so I can experience it first? And they were like, yeah, go ahead. And then I walked out of there and I paid for four months. Um, and so then I did it two to three times a week for four months and really just kind of, that was like a completely different experience. I mean, you go into that tank and you come out a different person. You come out and you're like, you're, you, you don't even want to look at your phone, whatever you were driving, whatever volume on the radio you were driving to on the way there is way too loud than it was, than it, than it should be. Cause you're like, whoa. And you're like, okay, I gotta turn this down. And it's, it's a game changer, man. And so that, yeah, that really was my first kind of uh, experience with just letting go of everything because that was the one place where nothing, literally nothing's going on, like, mm-hmm. except in your head. And so then once like, cause you'll lay there, you'll stop feeling your body. The water is the same temperature as your body. And so you stop feeling your body. And then you just got this nagging voice in your head. That's telling you like, did you finish that email? You know, you didn't work out today. You didn't do all this. And then once you silence that guy, you're good. And so it's just quiet in there. And then, it's seeing how long you can have that span of silence mm-hmm. because sometimes you'll get there and you're like, you're laying there and you're completely gone. And then like, you're in your head, you're like, am I gone? And then once you think, am I gone? You're back. <laughs> and so, and so you got to get back. And so then it's just trying to get back to that place. And then if you can go from nothing to having those thoughts again, to then back to nothing, that's a rep. And so, then you start trying to extend that period of time mm. and get more reps in or less reps in because you are extended. Yeah. And then that, and that's kind of like, and then now it's like, how can I get to that state without being in a sensory deprivation tank? How can I get to that state, that state while I'm sitting at my desk about mm-hmm. to take another call? How can I get it when I'm strapping up my headgear and there's, it's the third period and I got two minutes left. How can I get to that place of nothing so that I can go and compete at my best? That's fascinating. Would, if you were to uh, go back in time to your, to your high school days, would, do you wish you discovered the sensory deprivation tank sooner? Do you think you could have appreciated it, I guess, as a high school student or would that have been, would you, would you need to be a little more mature to really benefit from it? Um, with the amount of ADD I had, I don't know if I would have, completely committed to a full hour in the sensory deprivation tank um or would i had the funds to do it either <laughs> just being a high school kid sure. um, but i think that there is a there's a there's a place where people can benefit from it and no matter what age you see it as it's it's just it's like one of those things that like it's a more of like a self-discovery thing like you can't you can't tell yourself that you're ready to change. You just gotta know when it's right. And then, and then like, and then the change kind of comes out. And so, uh, it's definitely something that I think people should try, especially if they, if there's like a good deal around. Um, 
and then kind of figuring out if it's something that you want to do consistently. Uh, but it's definitely good to, cause you do have to try it a couple times to even fully let go because like sometimes you're just, I mean, it's different kind of laying in that water. You are floating, but it's a little bit like it's, so, it's semi uncomfortable, but you get used to it. And so it's just, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it to anybody who wants to try it. Anybody who wants to see that state, but you got, you do, uh, have to be a little bit open to just knowing that what's going to happen in there and getting to know yourself a little bit. Well, you've completely sold me on it. I, I probably didn't need a whole lot of selling because I really enjoy, you know, certain types of meditation and, uh, it really sounds like a great, a great way to go a little deeper. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely have to have to give that a try and maybe I'll be able to report back to you. Oh, please do, man. I'd be happy to hear about your experience and just, uh, what you got away, got from it. Yeah. So you've done some interesting things since college. You know, why don't you talk a little bit about what you're up to now, your, your podcast, love to, to hear a little more about where you are. Yeah. Shoot. I mean, I got to experience something that was that so far out of left field. I don't even know how I got into it, but after college, I started changing tires in NASCAR for a couple of years and I worked behind the wall with, uh, with Casey Kane and got to, I mean, I, like, I'm, I don't know if you're a NASCAR fan, but I, I got to change uh, Mike Waltrip's last race. He was driving the Trump car. That was kind of fun. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I got to do that. And that came from wrestling and that came from hard work too, because like um, essentially someone called my strength coach and was asking them if he needed people. And my, and I was like my probably close to, my sophomore year in college was when I really started dialing in my, in the strength room, because I was like, I was never the strongest or the fastest. I was very technical and, um, I could, I got, I was slick. And so that was like really what got me. But then I, but then all the guys I was wrestling, I mean, I'd get tired just from trying to muscle these guys and slick them or, but, but like a lot of times I, I can get them in the third period, but these guys were just so much stronger than they were in high school. And so, um, I really dialed it in in the weight room and really committed. And so my strength coach saw that. And then he recommended me to, uh, to that guy who gave me a tryout for Hendrick Motorsports. I did the tryout, got on. And then, uh, and then it was kind of all she wrote, moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina, where uh, I'm local kind of right now. And it was a phenomenal experience. I mean, just uh, another opportunity to continue to be an athlete is kind of what I saw. Mm -hmm. And um, it was fun. Traveled nation, 37, 38 weekends a year, got to see coast to coast, tons of cities. Um, and then, uh, and then once I got out of that, um, I started working with Lululemon and then they, that's, and that's where I started exploring more of the wellness kind of side. Uh, because even in college, I mean, I was best shape of my life, but mentally I was a, I was a head case. I mean, it was, it was hard for me to, uh, to kind of, it, it was like, I struggled with grades. I had tutors in every class. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was going to classes and everything, but I was just, uh, I had a lot of stuff going on. And so I was seeing a sports psychologist and stuff too. But, uh, but uh, once I started working with them, I looked at the whole picture and then I started going to every gym that I could imagine every gym in Charlotte. I've been to over 65, I believe. Um, and then I started just uh, going into these gyms as a sports psychologist and seeing like what was demanded from the exerciser physically, mentally, and what was the studio doing to help support that, uh, that exerciser in that class. And so I did that for tons of places. I went to every yoga studio out there and I got my yoga practice down, uh, especially because I was doing, I was lifting so much for CrossFit. Like, I mean, I wrestled 149 my senior year of college. When I got out of NASCAR, I was 190 solid though <laughs> i was a brick house at 190 um but i ached my body just ached and so the first thing i did with lululemon was i got into got into yoga and did six months of yoga and just got my body just nimble again and then um shoot from there it was like let me take all these experiences i've had and try and inform people what what uh what was going on and then also just like share what other people are doing share other people's stories and then um uh, share experiences. And so it was like, let's get these people from these instruct these instructors from these gyms. Let's get people in the community. 
uh, let's just get them on the podcast, have them s- sit down, chat with me and uh, kind of see what they have. And so I got about 75 episodes right now. Um, just had my first uh, former NFL player on, which was pretty cool uh, in, uh, in Rod Smith. And um, yeah, man, I, I really don't know where it's going to go. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm just excited to continue to talk to people. And I'm I'm still kind of shocked that I've had over uh, kind of 50, 50 plus people kind of sit down and have a chat with me. It's kind of it, it's kind of cool to say now, too. It's awesome. Well, you're talking to somebody who's had about 15. So that's a very impressive number to 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 hear that you've done 75. Yeah. Hey, man, it's you're on your way. You're on your way, man. And so it's uh, it's it's one one chat at a time, one conversation at a time. And and then uh, and if and I'll tell you this, because this is something I experienced a lot of times, like sometimes I'd be thinking to myself, like, you know, that negative part in your head. that's like, why are you doing this wrong, man? Like you're only getting this many listens, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like once I finally interview another person, all those negative thoughts go back. And I'm like, this is why I do this. <laughs> These conversations are the reason why I do this. It's like, let that like between conversation talk, get that out of your head, Roman, because like, that's what was kind of bringing me down. But then once I do one, I'm like, shoot, let's do another one. Let's get back into it. And so you're on the right track. Just, uh, just keep grinding, man. You're doing it. Well, I do agree that the conversations are so much fun and you know, the technical part of podcasting is not, you know, there's nothing super fun about that, but the conversations are amazing. It's and and building relationships with people you're talking to. So one thing you said that's it's intriguing also. So you've been to 65 gyms. You're you know you've got a lot of expertise at this point. And, and you know even before you went to the gyms, you had a lot of expertise in working out and 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 bu- putting on muscle and strength. Um, were there any exercises that you either did in high school that you think were especially helpful? Or and 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 as a flip side of that. Were there any exercises that you wish you'd done more of, or maybe you had didn't do them at all in high school that you think could have been uh, impactful? Yeah, and so with the training in high school, um, I had I was luck, lucky to have a coach that was almost a complete psycho, and so he would he would like literally back behind his house, we would run up and down his hill into the forest. We would cut down trees. We would chop those trees up with a double-sided saw. Another person on the other side, and then and then uh, we would run that tree in those small parts back up to the top. And that was only like one part. We were hand fighting trees, and like <laughs> I mean, like we're we're palming trees that's not moving. I mean, it's not going to move. Our hands are ripping. We and then he would be like, "All right, jump on the tree, hold on to it like a gut wrench." And we'd be sliding down the trees. We'd have all, all chest all scraped up. and But, like, it was so much fun. And, like, that kind of training, you just don't get anywhere else. You, I mean, and that stuff, I still think that's the stuff that made me a champion. And, like, that kept me going. Because nothing, honestly, there wasn't much that was harder than that stuff back then. Even in college. College, we did some stuff that was downright almost nearly impossible and gut-wrenching. But... I had a great test in high school that really got me ready for anything that college was going to throw at me. Was that coach hazard where you were, uh, you were doing those, uh, the, the so workouts? that was, that was my youth club coach, Sam Smith, who was very helpful during our high school years. Um, but hazard it's, it's interesting. I, I told this on another podcast. I had three coaches in high school that were like really, really beneficial is Sam Smith, who was my youth club coach who uh, had me all through youth club. And then I had his two sons with me in high school and, and he brought the intensity like nobody could believe. He was the one that had Russians coming in. I had Russian guys wrestling me that didn't even know how to speak English. They would just show me something and they would say, but hard, (laughs) the only words they knew. And so like he was bringing in all these crazy guys. And then I had a coach, Steve Wilcox, who uh, actually coached at Falls Church way back when? Uh, Sam Smith actually went to Falls Church too, and so you might have to uh, you might have to look into some of your history. But um, Coach Wilcox was the biggest technician that we had. I mean, if he ran practice, it was you were doing more than likely a couple hundred reps of the exact same thing for two and a half, three hours. 
brutal practices. I mean, we were we were knucklehead kids that had the timer and we would get taken down close to the timer just so we could take off 10 minutes because we knew he would just go until the timer was off. And so he, he'd set three hours on the clock and then we'd get taken down double leg, tick, 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 and try and take some time off the clock. And then Brian Hazard came and he he was the one that kind of brought the fun into it. He was the one that brought the energy and brought the charisma and would make us laugh when it most of the time it wasn't a place to laugh, mm -hmm. but it was a perfect timing for, for a hazardism or a hazard joke that would really um, change the morale. And I mean, he was a great technician too. Don't get me wrong, but that's kind of the position that like thinking back on it was like, I had the, the crazy, crazy one that was going to bring the intensity. I had the technician and then I had hazard who just brought the fun and was really just like, one that could really talk to me on a different level too and just uh really connect with me and so those three kind of created the beast you're looking at right now and it was it was just a phenomenal like trifecta that just made it all happen so beautifully it doesn't sound like you ever came close to burning out but was there ever was that ever something that that happened like did you ever get to a point where you thought maybe you didn't want to keep wrestling or, you know, and, and, and something kind of pulled you back in. Yeah. And so it was, uh, it was actually Brian Hazard who pulled me back in my senior year. I was, um, so I was cutting a lot of weight because I was wrestling like one or what was I wrestling? Was it my, it was my senior year. I was wrestling 40 all year and I felt like I was still cutting a lot of weight, but, um, but then, so after Beast of the East, I had lost a match that I lost a 4-2 to, uh, I think it what was it, Duke Pickett. He wrestled in college. I think he went to Cornell and then, but he was at, uh, I forgot, forgot what high school, but I wrestled, he was from Virginia too. And so that's why I had a bad taste in my mouth at Beast. But uh, he beat me 4-2. And then after that, I was like, I don't even want to step on the mat anymore. I was like, shoot, I'm done. I went out my next match. I basically almost got DQ'd. Um, I, I, was, I gave up at least four penalty points lost by probably four. <laughs> and, um, and then that kid actually went on to, to all American at beast. Mm -hmm. And so after that, like, I mean, <laughs> and like I was, I threw him in the clock. I was wrestling out of bounds. I was just pushing him out of bounds. I was just being a, being a prick, honestly. And then, uh, after that match, I was like, coach, I don't want to do this anymore. So he gave me, gave me about a week. I didn't really, I didn't balloon up or anything, but I just kind of like, it was like, it was near winter break. And so we had a little bit of break. He was like, take some time off. And then out of, I think we met at like, a, it was either a subway or something. He got me food because that was the only way he could, <laughs> he could get, get me to sit down, but we got some food and then he ended up talking to me. And then somehow he convinced me to come back and cut a weight class down. <laughs> persuasive guy. Very persuasive. And so, and then, and so he, we looked at it and we were like, all right, so if you're going to do this, let's do it and let's go for another title. And so after looking at it, we thought we had our best chance at 135 again instead of 140. So then I cut back down to 35 and then, uh, and then things went the way they went, got fourth. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a big moment right there. Like just getting, uh, getting me back and just, I mean, cause I like, if I didn't come back, I probably wouldn't have wrestled in college. Who knows what, what my trajectory would have been. But um. I had knew I had known in my in my heart that I was doing the wrong thing by not coming back anyway, and so I just needed someone to kind of care for me and just uh, show me some love because my family was supporting me however I wanted to be supported, mm -hmm. but I needed someone that really knew what was best for me mm -hmm. to change my mind, and so he came in and did that, and uh, forever grateful. Roman, I really appreciate this. This is a great this is a great podcast session, and I know that a lot of people are going to benefit from hearing about your journey. Is there any are there any thoughts you want to uh, any any thoughts you want to cover that we haven't talked about? I wish I would have brought this up in the podcast, but I was so like I literally stopped working on my emotions when I stopped crying after wrestling matches. That's when I thought I was emotionally settled, and so then everything was fine. You know, it was like, that's my emotional baseline was everything was fine. And I never went below. And then I had my highs, but like, I never, I didn't really experience any kind of emotional, uh, what's the right word? Uh, I had no emotional, what's the word? Uh, um, awareness. 
or well awareness but then like my uh my wavelength like it wouldn't go from like like i wouldn't have that ebbs and flow it was yeah. like everything was just good you know and like i was unfazed by anything essentially i and see so i didn't let myself feel emotion for a long time and so, so is, that, is that like a lack of emotional regulation or is it kind of the opposite um it, it was more of just like i wouldn't i just i really wouldn't just let i wouldn't let things affect me it was like, I, like I wasn't, it wasn't like I was really regulating my emotions or like I had an issue with it, but it was just like, get over with, get over it and just move on. You know, I was, I had a short brain just from wrestling all the time. And so it was like, I mean, it didn't help me in the relationship department or anything. I mean, I was very, relationships were non-existent for me for a long time. Um, but I was just like, I, I just, I couldn't express emotions. Like, I mean, I couldn't like, I wouldn't let myself feel anything low. And so then it was like, I was just living here, but then it's like my highs, like, especially like in college, my highs weren't as high as I wanted them to be. And then my, because I wasn't experiencing the lows, you know? Now, why do you think that was? I, well, I grew up and this is stuff that I had to, like, I've done a lot of self-discovery. And so I grew up and my dad was a very strong figure uh, in my life. And he was a very scary figure at times too, even though he wasn't trying to be very stern face. He'd walk in from work and he, and uh, it would, it would always just like, I mean, resting bitch face almost like it looked like he had a bad day every day, but he would just come in just from work normal every day. But it was like my fear of like having him, me saying something and having him like disagree with it was something that I didn't like to face. And so I didn't like expressing myself that much. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so with that, it was like my just emotional awareness as well as just, um, my ability to even express emotion was just let out because I was like, I, I just felt like I like, and so at that young age, it was just like, um, I, I, I started thinking that vulnerability was weakness and that, uh, if you showed emotion, it was weakness. Mm -hmm. And so, especially because the only kind of tell that I had was I cried after a lot of wrestling matches that I lost. And so then once I fixed, fixed that, it was like, okay, now I'm emotionally stable kind of, which I wasn't, but then it like, it, it got to the point where it's like, and then I had to meditate and like do all this kind of self discovery. Like, why am I so cold? Why am I like not letting myself feel these, like all these, like the whole array of emotions, like even still like, you know that little chart in like elementary school that has like the smiley faces that has every emotion on it? Like I I actually had to have that with one of my girlfriends so that I could be like, this is how I'm feeling right now. Bink. And I would just put my pen on it. And it would be that weird face where I'd just be like, because I didn't know how I didn't know how to express how I was feeling. I wasn't like I, I didn't know what disappointed felt like. I didn't know what uh let down. I didn't know what like all these different like these different expressions meant just because I didn't allow myself to feel any emotions. And now it's like, I've had more tears of happiness than tears of sadness in the, in the past two years. And it's just, it's so much easier because I felt like I had to be this macho man, Randy Savage all the time and not let anything affect me. And it didn't matter what happened. I was just going to be that cool, calm, collected guy that people could come to. And then I kind of came to the realization that that was a lifestyle that wasn't going to be that had no longevity just because it was like, I just, I, one, I wasn't letting other people in on what was going on with me. And so it was like, people saw this one side of Roman that never changed while inside I'm battling all these battles that I have no one else to talk to. And so once I started get, once I started being vulnerable, I could then like, I still like there there's, there's roles. I mean, because at one point I felt like, Roman stop being a little B because you're being too vulnerable and that, and like you're letting this little thing affect you. But I was also in a relationship where we we're trying to be completely transparent as possible. Mm -hmm. um, but it just allowed me to kind of let people in, let people know how I'm feeling emotionally. And then, uh, and then people just like you, you, the, the relationship develops much more, whether it be a friend, significant other, whatever it may be by being vulnerable, there's a strength in it. There's a strength in letting people know how you're feeling and identifying how you're feeling and putting it into words. And so that was something that I didn't learn for a long time. And 
even now is something I struggle with, but I've gotten a lot better with it. And do you attribute all of it to the fact that you had a, a difficult relationship with your dad from a perspective of showing emotions and, and you felt like you couldn't communicate with him? Um, I don't know if I would attribute it all to it, but you, I've come to find while I do these self-discovery things that there's usually like, if you, if you find a cause of something that's only a couple years old, it's probably not the true cause. Mm-hmm. So you do have to look back. I mean, childhood trauma is real and a lot of people just, and people just don't know what yeah. some people do if it is something like big, but if it's something that like, I mean, it took me a while to kind of figure out that like I was holding that, that little piece of, of not wanting to get in trouble for my dad at 28. And so it was like, man, like what else can I, am I holding on to that? Like, I mean, I was also holding on to the time that I, that I, uh, you know, I cheated on my girlfriend back in college. And that, and so after that, it was like, I felt like Roman's a cheater. Roman is only going to like, that's all that I can do. No one's going to love me because I'm a cheater, things like that. And then my next following relationships, it was like, I never could have a relationship because that's how I thought about myself. And so once I let go of that, it was like, shoot, now I can like, you just start freeing up all these like ropes that have been tied around you from a young age. And it's just, uh, it's, I mean, self-discovery is huge mm-hmm. and it just helps you like all around. I mean, um, I feel like it does have to come with age because when you're, when you're actually like being yourself when you're younger, like you're just not aware of what self-discovery is. You're still kind of learning who you are and trying to define it instead of just sitting back and trying to understand your actions and why you do things because you're still so in the moment. But it's been, so, it's been something that I've really enjoyed reflecting on and something that my meditation has kind of taught me just based on like, cause I'll be sitting in my meditation and then I'll hear the words that are going in my head. And then sometimes I'm like, why am I saying this about myself? Like, what is, what is like, let me rewind that and let me figure out where that cause comes from. And then you start finding some, some really random stuff back in your past or uh, just stuff that you're like really holding on to for a long time. Yeah. I think that people don't think enough about childhood trauma, the impact that certain events can have on, on, uh, on adults really, you know, you know, that, may have occurred when they were children. And, um, and I, I think a lot of people would benefit from that kind of self-discovery. Yeah. Was there anything that precipitated you, you know, to start thinking more about self-discovery at a certain moment, or was it just a gradual process where you started, you know, you started, uh, uh, trying to, to figure out maybe why you weren't happy? Um, it kind of, I mean, because once I started working with Lululemon, started meditating, started doing yoga, started like figuring out, I mean, Lululemon is a kind of a special company too, because we do vision and goal sessions. We do uh, a lot of these leadership character development workshop type type deals. And so that's where I kind of got started with it. And then when I was working with Lululemon at the beginning, I was working only part-time. This was just after NASCAR and um, I really had to simplify my life because I, I didn't, I barely had enough to pay rent. I, uh, and so I, and in my NASCAR life, honestly, you could find me at every, at a club in every city with a table and bottles. And it was like, that's kind of how I was living. And so it was a complete radical change and I had to, so then I had to simplify my life. And then I just started reading and writing and just learning more about myself. And so I've read, read a, a decent amount of books that, really kind of helped me. Mm-hmm. And then those books just really just got really thought provoking. And so then it was like, I was writing down, writing down other things. And then I had support from uh, some friends as well that really just kind of pushed me through. And it like, and like I mentioned earlier, it's like, you can't force self-discovery on somebody. Mm-hmm. You, you can't tell somebody that they have to learn this lesson. Like you have to go in and change. It's like, that's something that's only going to come with them. And so, uh, it's yeah, it's not something that you can rush. It's not something that you can uh, you can plan for, but it's not even fun. Honestly, self-discovery sucks. It's a it is a like I was like it was like six months where I was just 
in my I was going to work in the store. I'd come right back, read, write. And it was it wasn't a it wasn't it was a dark period of time, but it was one that that I needed. And I came back, and now I'm like now I'm just so much more aware, so much more uh, kind of knowledgeable about myself, and can and like really have an idea of where I'm going. That's awesome. Well, I'm really glad you're on that journey. Yeah, it's a fun one, man. I uh, I definitely think that it uh, it's helped me a lot, and now I'm uh, I'm still still working on it. You know, still got still got issues. You know, but uh, having fun with it. One thing I will say is always wrestle freestyle and Greco kids. I'm trying to teach that to my kids right now. We got a lot of kids that don't want to wrestle this style, and I don't understand it because that was one way that really got me better was wrestling. Anyway, I wish I wrestled beach style younger. Yeah. Just so I could get experience with it. But um, yeah, to wrestle, wrestle, get as much mat time as you can, kids. I mean, win or lose, you're going to grow from that experience. Just get on the mat, get those bad calls, get them out the way. You know, you'll, you'll learn, you'll adjust, and, uh, and then you'll just get a better wrestler. Buy into your system, trust your coaches, you know, especially in high school. You think you know stuff at 14 through 18. You don't know anything. I got. I mean, it's like I'm trying to tell my kids now, and I'm like, okay, you're gonna. I, I'm. I'm. I know what the mistake you're gonna, or I know what you're gonna have to experience. And it's like, man, it's like I'm. In my head, I'm like, I'm sorry. You might have to get your butt kicked for you to come back and work harder. You know, it's like, and and you're only in wrestling practice for a short period of time, especially like, especially if they're virtual practices. It's like you just got to commit, buy in and try and get as good as you can as quickly as you can um just by repetition to drilling uh drilling correctly uh kids stay away from flow wrestling big moves <laughs> gosh they don't work all the time i know that they're highlights you might make instagram but that's it you know it's not going to work on a good guy and so that's one thing i'm trying to break too is like i mean yet last year i feel like was a year of the merkel and i had to unteach everybody the Merkel because they were just throwing everybody by throwing that leg in. And I'm like, I can stop your go-to move without collar tying you. So what's next? <laughs> and so those are a couple of things. I mean, um, any, anyone who's listening to this and has more questions and really, and like wants to connect with me, feel free to reach out. I'm not, not very hard to find cause I'm always roaming around and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to help any wrestler try and get to the next level and um and or even just people trying to get healthier, people trying to live more of a fulfilling life and just trying to live life kind of in a lifestyle surrounded by wellness and so anything like that, I mean, I'm happy to support and so tell them to bring it on, man. Well, I think this is one of those rare episodes where I think non-wrestlers could benefit just as much as wrestlers. And I, you know, I, for one, I'm going to try the sensory deprivation. Uh, I don't know what you even call it. The sep the sensory deprivation therapy or chamber or. Well, you can call it, uh, there's float tanks. Okay. Floating. Yeah. Might, yeah. It might be easier to just Google float, float tanks. And then they'll usually pop up near you. I think there's. I don't, last time I checked, I didn't think there was one in Nova, but I think there might, might be one like right across, like in Maryland, but it's I'm interesting sure. that they're so hard to find. Um, uh, dude, I stumbled on that gold mine, gold <laughs> mine. And, and now like they, they sold it and like prices are all jacked up now. And I'm like, I don't know if I can be paying that now. It doesn't sound like it's that complicated though. You know, it doesn't, does it? I mean, what, what's the complicated aspect of it that makes it so uh, I mean, couldn't we just make our own sensory deprivation tank if we wanted? You could. And and it's funny because like the, the place I went to, like they had one room that was actually a tank that you got into like a round tank. The other room was a tub sitting on the ground that they <laughs> filled up. And then like, they just blacked out the, the tops and the sides of the door and just made it completely dark. Um, but, um, they, I think the cleanliness is the thing. I mean, the thousand, it's like, I mean, it's like 10,000 pounds of salt in this, in that tank. Um, and then there's, there's gotta be some way that they circulate that to keep it clean and, um, and things like that. But, um, that's significantly have them in there, in there. Like you can buy them and have them in your home and stuff like that. If that's an option, I just, I don't know uh, how much they exactly cost, but one day, honestly, I plan on having that in a sauna in my place. 
Well, that's significantly more salt than I expected. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to get that U-Haul truck full of salt. <laughs> so I guess so. Well, thank you again, Roman. This is a fantastic episode and I hope everybody goes and checks out Roman around on iTunes and we'll, we'll have links and, uh, and, and maybe some contact info for you, uh, for anyone that wants to reach out. Yeah. You can follow me, uh, on Facebook. I'm Roman Perryman. Uh, I probably should have put that instead of Roman around just so that they could see that. But, um, Roman Perryman, I'm Roman the empire on, uh, Instagram mm -hmm. and Twitter. Uh, I'm going to start Twitch streaming soon as well. And so that's Roman the Empire 28. If you are in any video games, high schoolers, that was one thing I did to keep my mind off of cutting weight was um, a lot of Call of Duty back in the day. Um, and then, yep, you can, you can also go to roman-around.com for uh, my website. And that has some email or like it has all my, my episodes. It has a couple blog posts, um, things like that. And so not very hard to find, but uh, always willing to connect. Very cool. Will, I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Thanks for listening to Backpoints today. If you want to support the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you find the show. Also, it helps us if you give the show a rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Feel free to also make a donation via Patreon at patreon.com backpoints. Thanks and see you next episode.